So, hello Mika and Ricard. Nice hello. to uh, finally meet you. Not in person, but close enough. I'll, I'll have a go at pronouncing your surnames. Miko Werberg and... Vik Barit. <laughs> there you go. I'll never get that right. <laughs> and Ricard Ellison. Mm-hmm. Oh, close enough, maybe. <laughs> Perfect. But you are both students in Baji under uh, Master Lu. So can you please introduce yourselves and you can tell us about how you met your Chinese teacher? Hey, Ricard, do you want to go first? No, okay. I mean, I'm I'm an old guy. I'm like 50 plus. Hey, I'm 50 uh, plus. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I started, I mean, I was really interested in Chinese martial arts when I was like teenager, but I didn't have a teacher. I tried a couple, but then I fell into the trap of Japanese martial arts. I did mm. that for a long time. Then I was like 28 or something and I needed some or I made some changes in my life in general, but I also wanted to like change that. So I ditched my own tra- old training and then I started looking for Chinese people. A few years later, so I had some did some different things, Taiji, Sanda, Bagua. Mm-hmm. I knew about this teacher that came to Sweden to teach Taiji, like Chan Taiji. And I was not super interested in that, mm-hmm. but someone told me that he also does another style called Baji. So I tried to read up on that, but that was like like year 2000, Wikipedia, not too helpful. So he had this workshop in Sweden, some rehab center or something. And so I went there and I tried to talk to him and said like, hello, I'm Rickard. And, uh, and I, I heard you also teach some other style. Can you please show me something or, or talk about it? And he said, wait, okay, what do you mean? Like, wait, I wait until the other people leave, then, then we can talk about it. So it was all those like Taiji people there and they did their Taiji thing. I was sitting on a bench and then everyone left and he said, okay, what do you want to know? I was like, oh, like, what, what is this thing? And he said, like, come. And like, I, I tried to hit him a little and he punched me like horribly <laughs> up down into the lungs, something if I remember right. So sort of, okay. And that was something I hadn't seen before, that way of moving, that power, that that kind of thing so that was okay let's do this so i went to finland like one or two weeks later and that's where i met mika not the 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 big powerful 39 year old but the like 16 year old mika or something like that and uh, i've been at it ever since just came back from finland actually yesterday from also spending time with this fantastic gentleman yeah because you're you're in sweden Mika is over there in Finland and I'm in the UK. So this is the first time I've had three countries at once. Mm -hmm. Well, three people at once is the first time. (laughs) And also three countries. So we're smashing all the records. Mm -hmm. So Mika, Master Lou is over in Finland with you, is he? Yes, uh, Master Lou is in Helsinki, in the capital. I live on the west coast of Finland. Uh, It's four hours from Helsinki, a little place called Vasa right on the coast of Finland, next to Sweden, a bit further away from him, but I, I used to live in Helsinki. Right. I go through the whole history. Well, yeah, my, my uh, start, humble beginnings were in uh, Shotokan karate as a child of 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, I guess. Did some Shotokan karate, had my worst angst teenage years, did nothing for a few years. Uh, then around 16, 17 years old, my 
my friend dragged me to the local Shaolin Kung Fu. There wasn't much of a style buffet here in Vasa where I, I grew up. So we had like all the karates and judos and then there was one Shaolin Kung Fu school. So I, I went there and it was it's kind of like a pseudo Chinese. It's Iranian Kung Fu, basically Iranian Shaolin Kung Fu. But the instructor was as hard as nails. It was a freedom fighter in Iran. And, Oh, it was gruesome. The, the whole group was famous for people quitting after one week. That was what, what they were famous for. So, uh, but for me, my kind of like my first touch into Chinese martial arts were Jackie Chan movies, and uh, I was never never really into the kung fu part. It was it was cool and all, but I was more into the training part. That was the cool thing. The, the guy went up to the mountains and then he trained for. One year, really hard. The training montage came on, and, and we came back and beat the village bully. So that the training part was the really cool thing for me, and I, I found that in that Shaolin group, we trained really hard, and that was really fun. <laughs> I, I liked that torturing myself. So I, I did that for yeah, how many years? Well, at, at least three years. I was around 19 years old when I found out that they were bringing Lu to to Finland. There's a few Tai Chi people that started the association for Lu in Helsinki. So I read that on some forum and uh, I said, okay, I, I want to train with him. So I was just finishing high school. So I packed my things and told my mother, I'm going to move to Helsinki. Goodbye. And then I got a small job at a convenience store there and a cheap rental apartment and started training with Lu. And that, that was around 2002, maybe 2000, beginning of 2002, probably around that time. So I started training with him there, and, and yeah, he was very convincing back then also. Very little English skills, mm. so we used a pocket translator, and, and he was using a lot of body language, but that developed. He learned English very quickly, and today he speaks perfect English. But uh, yeah, he was very convincing from the start. <laughs> Let me, uh... Did you start with Badgie with him or with something else? Yeah, uh, it was Badgie and Taiji. Badgie I started. Actually, my interest was in Xinyi. Because I had read about Xingyi and I thought it was a super cool style, and I I read that he also had some knowledge in Xingyi, so that was kind of my my decision. I'm going to go there to learn Xingyi for him, but that came later. He didn't teach Xingyi at the beginning, so I just kind of jumped in with the Baji, and, and yeah, then it stuck with me. And I started doing some Xingyi with him later, but Baji was still the main thing always. So mm. Baji and Taiji. If you were describing. A baji. How would you, you know, explain what it is to someone? Say they know a bit of tai chi or something, or shingi. Because baji is so comparatively little known compared to those two. And I've I've often seen people showing a video of baji and they're calling it tai chi or they're calling it shingi, but it's not. It's something different. So what is it that makes it different? I think baji is finishing the fight style. Very mm. simply put. Master Lu's first teacher was Master Zhang, and he was a student of many, many teachers. So he had a lot of styles in his back pocket, and he was a really good fighter. And Lu told us that he always usually started with something, Bagua, Pigua, whatever, but he always finished the fight with Baji. So that's like what Baji is about, about finishing the fight. It's this big, explosive power that we train. So that, that's what kind of sets it apart or like you can recognize a body practitioner from that big explosive power if it doesn't have it then something else super mm. good yeah i also think like that there's like some saying that 
you should be able to hear what style the training in the next room. Yeah. And for body, you should like see walls should be shaking and the like the picture should come down and you know <laughs> that's body. Otherwise, I think it's this what's like typical is this like short power and short distance. Use elbows and knees. No fancy kicking unless you do fancy kicking. But I mean, yeah, it's not it's not that. But there's also a difference between like old baji and newer baji, maybe. Mm. Uh, so like old countryside baji, it's very it's more like Shaolin i if that's a word. Maybe harder, also like harder people training, like farmers and uh, and then it developed more in the cities. So I would say that Lee, I mean, he's a city boy, but he also trained in the countryside. But maybe that's also something. It can be different. Mainly, body is divided into like families. Like, like mm. you, when you start your form, you do some movement that shows what teacher you have or like what family you belong to. Same, same and different. But I would say sometimes also the the difference between two teachers is bigger than the difference between two styles. Mm. Can vary wildly. What are the sort of trademark techniques that you'll find in Badgie? Elbows, especially. That's kind of usually the first thing you learn is the straight elbow, Bing Joe. Straight, like rushing in elbow. Mm. Um, that's what it's known for, and that's usually what you can see the body is. But it's elbows, it's punching down people, knees, quite a small selection of techniques, actually. But that, of course, they've been applied into many different techniques and then created forms from, for those, but actually like a very small amount of technique that body is based on. So how would you describe the, you know, this explosive power you're talking about? Is there, I don't know, obviously you have to show these things, so you, we can't really show them on a podcast, but is there a way to sort of intellectually explain how that, that explosive power in Badgie is different to, say, Tai Chi or something else? Hmm. I don't think the when you use a power, I don't think it's that different. Of course, the, the training method is, is where it differs. So what comes out of it can be, of course, a little bit different for people. But I mean, if you're hitting people, then you're hitting people. I mean, a punch mm. is a punch. Mm. But uh, so if you talk about the training method, then, well, we have, we use steps. First step would be grinding step. So you're kind of like, putting the foot down and then grinding the ground. So you're learning connection from the ground to the hand. So you're using like a very clear turning motion, foot, body, waist, and then the hand follows that. So it's like a grinding step. The next step would be the so-called stomping step. This is what you usually see in body demonstrations, especially those old style, village style body. They use a lot of stomping step. So it's this kind of explosive dropping of weight. So it's huge drop now that's one big like energy trait of body and then we have a third step also it's called charging step it's like a putting the brakes on a car drive fast and you put on the brakes fast and you can fly forward so that's like a charging step more for like use yeah but the training method comes from those grinding step learning the body connection and then you have the stomping step learning that big explosion dropping the weight from the dropping should come expansion so it's like this huge expanding in all directions so that's what the name also comes from is body is like eight directions eight extremes mm. so that means all, all directions so it's this 
huge expanding power. Hmm. I think one, one other thing you should see is like talking about animals is popular sometimes in, in those circles. If you see like a black tiger or a, a black panther, hmm. that's what, what Baji should be. So that's the main or only animal you should see. But if you don't see that and you don't hear that sound, then, then something is broken. Are there a lot of forms or, or and a, like a lot of different weapons in the system as well? Yes and no. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, Baji is a, is a mixed martial art. It's traditionally been mixed with other arts very openly and, and clearly. Like all arts, Chinese are usually a mixture of things and development. But in, in Baji, it's very clear that this is from there, this is from there. But like, like the core of Baji is two forms, a small form and big form. And then other things have been blended in, developed, uh, derived from these two forms. So there are other methods, but core Baji, pure Baji is two forms, small or big form. The small and big form are, of course, the major training methods in Baji, the most important things that create Baji power. But then there's other things that come around them, like derived from them or something that borrowed from other places. For example, the pigua form, that's of course one famous thing that's combined with Baji, that's a totally different style. And then we borrow the first form from there. And then there's other things that are derived from the small and big form, for example, like the Ludakai. That's six great entry methods. So it's like six things, how to get in and finish the opponent. These all six, six things you can find in the small and big form. So it kind of like emphasizes different parts of the movements there. So I can find okay, in that movement, you have that kind of entry and another movement, you have that kind of entry. And they're usually trained like single movements, but it's mostly to emphasize certain things in the forms. Then there's Badajau. That's eight great techniques that also come from small form, big form. They differ a little bit between the families, so they kind of choose different eight great techniques for themselves, like which are the important techniques. Usually the four or five first ones I've seen are quite same. But of course, then the small forms differ between the families, so then the movements also become different. But uh, you can also maybe like uh, go back in history that the small and big form might have been created from these eight great techniques. Like that's the root from where they created the forms. Hard to say, I wasn't there, but most probably there was some single movements that they made these forms from. So some important techniques that they applied into more movements and then became these small and big forms. Then we have the Jigambasher. That's uh, eight great warrior monk techniques. And that's borrowed from this Jingang Shaolin style and probably happened with exchange with Li Ruidong. He's a famous master also, master of many styles, but Jingang was one of his styles. It's basically eight single techniques, very simple punches, some defensive motions in some of the movements, but very simple punching techniques. Very good for this kind of basic body power training. So that's a very good add-on. There probably happened in the Guoshu Institute times when they were exchanged. 
And then this kind of added into all the other body lines which have it nowadays, this Jingang Bashu methods. Then usually as like so-called next level or higher level material, there's some forms that may be borrowed from somewhere else, maybe derived from small big form, mixture of different things. Different families have different stuff there at the higher levels. Our family, we have the five animals and the dragon form. So these are forms that our teacher learned from Master Zhang as his first master. And Master Zhang learned from Li Rudong. So he was the creator of these two forms. Uh, as I said, he was a master of many styles. So he put together different things. There's a Xing Yi, there's Bagua, there's Shaolin, there's some Tanglang, all kinds of stuff put together into these kind of forms. And uh, the five animals form for us, it's developing stepping, footwork. So it's a lot of footwork, a lot of alive stepping. So it's a very good complement for the for the more like, uh, how do you say, stronger stanced body forms. And then we have the dragon form that helps you with body movement. That creates that kind of twisting, turning, very, uh, well, high level body movement, basically. So these are very good complements for our body. I haven't seen them in any other style. Other families then have their own kind of specialties that they have there at the higher levels. Weapons, of course, big spear. That's what we're famous for. That's the main part weapon. There are also sabers and swords and stuff like that, but they're usually lended from somewhere else, added on things. Uh, our teacher doesn't really emphasize them so much. It's the big spear and, and uh, we have the biangun, the stick. That's also like a totally different style, actually. So, I, I mean, with a small form and big form, they're also quite, or, or many things to say about them. Small form is different between uh, different families and different teachers. But it's always contains roughly the same techniques, but the order can be different. The way you mm. do them can be different. Whereas big form is the same for everyone does, that does bhaji. The reason for that is that it's pair training. So one person starts from the start of big form and one person starts from the middle of big form. Ah. And the first person goes from like start to middle to end. And the other person goes from middle to end and then from start to middle. So it's like attack defense against itself. When Baji people meet, I mean, how common is that? But if it was <laughs> common, <laughs> the first thing you would do is like, you, you do uh, pair training from big form together. So you start with like showing what family you come from with how you start, you have some special start. And then you start like boom, 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 boom with the other guy. Mm. And that's why that could never change because if you change that form, you wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. training with yeah. someone from with another background so that's a little special i think from other chinese most art yeah that is different that kind of makes me think about history the history of baji so i imagine there's like everything in chinese martial arts it's full of people having big disagreements about what was the true history of something so no, it's, it's less so because it, it's so few people that are involved so there's there is one big conflict that's sort of modern, but, that, right. uh, but on, on more older history, most people agree on like, where so, is it from? Who is it from? Who took it there? Who is good? Who is bad? Yeah. So who, wh wh is, is there an originator person? 
or did it sort of arrive out of villages? Uh, originally, we say Wuzong. Wuzong. He lived in. I have the <laughs> Wikipedia here. 1712 to 1802. He's like the the first man in the lineage charts. Mm. Uh, he learned from they say he's traveling Taoists. So probably some rebel rebel military people that he learned from. But, but that's the first one in the in the lineage. And then from there he went to his his daughter Wurong, but uh, it's a bit unclear was it actually her husband that learned the style and just kind of put her in the lineage charts and and I, it's it's always you know different with actual kung fu going down and then what it says in the genealogy charts as you probably know. Hmm. Was there a particularly famous practitioner? In, in fairly recent times that has made it famous or a couple i think the first one that made it famous was Li Xuan. Hmm. and from him also comes this mixing of pigwa i mean we borrow the first form from pigwa i mean he got famous because don't quote me but i mean he, somehow he challenged the emperor's uh, bodyguard or was challenged by him and they wrote some contract saying that the one who loses would become the student of the other guy Right. Li Xuan was a small, small guy. Like I say, like his hand was like two of our knuckles, maybe. And he was standing with like with his back to this big fancy bodyguard. And he saw in the shadow that it moved. And then he moved with some like special elbowy thing and won that. And therefore the Emperor's bodyguard was now a Baji student, which was a good good marketing move. And yeah. So there's different stories about him and like mm. what what he actually was or, or did who knows but uh, yeah i wasn't there as some people say so <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah he was a famous guy wasn't he um training the emperor's bodyguard and all that kind of stuff and the emperor the, the last chinese emperor puyi was a baji student as well i believe yeah he was the hua family was very involved in there also after li xuan so he was a Hua, I can't remember which one of the Huas was his teacher, but they were very involved in the, in the royal family. Hmm. Or the Hua people, Hua, Hua family. It is, of course, very hard to say what Baji looked like back in the days of the originators. Probably pretty weapons-based, spear weapons and some empty hand techniques sprinkled in there. Uh, but nowadays it's quite standardized. Uh, well, not super standardized on a scale of modern Wuxia at the other end and uh, some obscure Xinyi village style at the other, then Baji will be maybe somewhere there in the middle, like on a standardization scale. So, of course, there's a lot of differences between the families, but the same themes and same things kind of pop up all around the different families and the, the styles. And I think one big reason for this was the Guoshu Institute, the Central Guoshu Institute. This was a period in Baji history where there was a lot of these big name masters gathered under one roof. So we had Han Hui Qin was there. That's our our teacher's grandmaster, very famous. There was Li Xu Wen. There was um, Ma Ying Tu, very famous Ma family martial arts. So they were all gathered together there under the roof of Central Guoshu Institute. And there was a lot of exchange going on between them, probably thinking about training methods and, and uh, exchanging stuff. There is also 
like a proper standardized body style that came out of the institute uh, central nanjing institute body or something like that it's not very spread out and i don't know is it being taught anywhere anymore but there's something on youtube about it but i think most interesting for us is the stuff that was happening behind the scenes like the probably meetings there with the masters and they were exchanging their stuff so that probably was the one big period of body development that created this fairly standardized body so there was a lot of these training methods that were shared between the masters and i think okay this is good this is good let's let's do this let's do that and um, there was a lot of other exchange of course happening also in, in the institute between other styles like for example han family they include taiji because young cheng fu was one of the teachers at the institute and han hui chin had some exchange with him and then he got the young family form so it's it's been passed down in the young in the han family i'm sorry in the han family it's been passed down uh, the taiji form so they still do it and there's a lot of different other material also in the han family that's not really body it's, it's something else but it's included in the han family style and and the mixing with the pigwa is is there something particular do they just work well together is that the idea the baji can become pretty one dimensional if you only do the baji you have you have a certain range where you always issue power and a, a close range so pigwa is a perfect mix for it uh, we usually say that we enter with pigwa and then we finish with baji so right. pigwa is mid-range kind of things and finishing with baji yeah okay so if the pigwa is a, like a bit longer range, then you can sort of enter into the conflict with that, and then you can finish with your badgy elbow. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's the idea. But also training-wise, your body will become more flexible, more open. Well, that's good things for the for your health and your body in general. So it's a good. good yeah, app. yeah. I mean, I've heard a lot about badgy having this sort of bodyguarding reputation how do you see that is it a particularly good art for bodyguarding or is it just it happens to be the art that a lot of bodyguards use well for me it, it seems to be it happens i mean it was lisa when who went there and challenged and kind of stuck there and and then in more more modern times it, it's survived in taiwan so there's the special forces been doing that and and it, it's kind of survived in these circles as a bodyguard style but it probably has roots with that leisure events marketing move so it could have been any other style but it's happened to be body yeah i've seen that there's that the wutan group in taiwan practice badgy quite a lot don't they yes yes they're one of the biggest schools around the world is wutan they've really been able to spread it around all around the world and very much a household name in badgy yeah the, the badgy you study what family style is that one that's a bit complicated. Do you want to start, Rickard, or <laughs> can, I can continue? So, Leo's had a, a few Baji teachers. Right. Uh, maybe three big ones. But so, first, Master Zhang, and the guy who had, he had, they called him like Six Master Guy or something like that. He was this like famous Beijing fighter dude in a park. Uh, his his line, I think, Mika, is from Li Xuan. Yes, yes. So, and then. After that, he found a teacher from Tianjin. Tianjin is also a big place for Baji. And they we call what they do new Baji. That's from uh, Wu family, like last generation, where they added a lot of like clever stuff from other styles. 
mm. I would say. And my understanding is that Lee wanted to go indoor with him, but he had to leave Beijing because of something China uh, or something. And then he went looking for someone else that does Baji, and then he found Han family, which is out in Lotan village where Baji comes from. And there he found the teacher that he is like officially indoor with. So you could say that Han family, yes, that's sort of our indoor thing, but it's not exactly maybe what we do or compared to anything else. But I don't know. Did I say something atrocious, Mika? Or... <laughs> you could say like our Kung Fu, like the, the skill, the power that comes from Han family. That's absolutely the old style body, that big power. And then it's kind of fighting skills, it's clever stuff. Got from Tianjin, all those weird elbows coming in from every angle and all that kind of things. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. Your your style, if it's a mix of the big, powerful, old school plus a few of the clever modern things, that's that's a good combination. Yeah, and then Lu trained with a lot of different body masters, also just, just for a short time. So I think he said he he knew thirty one or 32 small forms at some point so he's gone through <laughs> forgot most of them but but he's tried things so you could say like he, he really knows what is the core of baji and mm. then he took that and kind of put things around it how we use it how we move but the core is there the, the that old kung fu that old baji explosive power yeah, that's that's there is it quite tiring to practice all this stomping i mean yeah, <laughs> I mean, is it the sort of martial art that you can practice a lot, or or can you only do so much? Then you're just knackered. <laughs> well, for me, of course, in, in the beginning, where you're still learning the the style, how to do it, uh, it's it's tiring. Yeah, absolutely draining. Mm. I mean, you're grinding out with single movements back and forth, back and forth, trying to get that power right. I mean, you're, you're going to be hurting for the first years of several several years. But the goal, of course, is to to develop your body so it doesn't really hurt anymore. I mean, it feels good. It feels okay. You can do it for hours on end without getting mm. too tired. Mm. So you kind of really ingrain that kind of power generation method. It becomes natural for you. So that, that's a big word, natural. Right? That's what Liu's teacher, Master Han, he talked about natural and Liu also natural natural to be natural and then you can also do it when you get old i mean i i'm now older than lee was when i met him i mean he was born in 56 no close to my age there i hope but <laughs> yeah it sort of works i mean the body gets older the youthful energy maybe goes away but then you yeah it's also easier the older you get to get things right and i know your body a bit and uh, right i know like big power it hurts you I, I would also say that like there is also some saying that you can hurt yourself with baji mm. like, especially if you practice alone you can do it too hard and uh but i think in the beginning you you don't really have that so there's not so dangerous but now for me it's like that if i go too hard then ah, yeah, i'm gonna pay for it but i mean it depends on how how much you like like fatigue and i guess there's that issue with stamping as well that always crops up in discussions about like oh, Chen, it's Chai true, Chi and, it's yeah. true, and it's not. I mean, if you yeah. find some video of Mika online and and see if there is any stomping, and uh, I mean there is and there isn't, but but it's it's not as exaggerated as it, some people do it for for show. That's the issue. I mean, you know, some people will say that 
the stomping is a is a cleverly designed body mechanic to like bounce the power back up and and at the same time i think a lot of it is just for performance because it looks I impressive as yeah, well. i think it's like i think like sometimes when mika some we talked actually about this or some other thing and when mika was more uh, like in a useful and and uh, and uh, the truthful way he said like uh, belongs in a museum he said <laughs> and uh, and uh, i think that's that's often true it's like like when when we fight we we do that stomping like the whole foot goes down it's like mm. a, it's a training method yes uh we can find stuff there but it's not for like fighting i mean we fight on our toes like everyone else but you can still do that you can keep it if if the structure is sort of okay yeah i mean you've, or, both, you've both met damon i think have you not me yet Rickardess. yeah yeah so he he always because obviously shingi is his like true love <laughs> of martial arts and he he you know the thunder sound is a is part of shingi it's the sort of stamping sound and he always says that it's the reason it's become popular is lack of two-person exercises <laughs> it's when you hit someone there should like the, the you want the energy and the power to go into them not into the ground it's just when there's no one there like you're punching the air it has to go somewhere so it ends up going into the ground and that's why you get this sort of boom I don't know what you think about that because that sounds similar to what you're saying. This one, Mika will answer for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 that that can you can say it like that absolutely. Uh, it's not a stomp. It is already wrong if you're talking about a stomp. It, it should be like a explosive dropping of the weight, hmm. and there comes the expansion power. So if you don't have anything to hit, then you're just kind of expanding and powering in all direction and then one direction is going to be downwards that's the rounding power we say so you're kind of developing this root rooting power with that but it's it's easy to fake i mean you can just start stomping around and <laughs> noise so then you're well you we see a lot of that so so yeah. but you it shouldn't be a stomp that's that's the first thing yeah you want you want things to shake around you rather than just make a noise <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. Exactly. This big power should be developed, and it should show, and and, and it should be used. Yeah, that's how it how it looks and sounds for body. It sounds a bit like your teacher is teaching a a, a few Chinese arts, like Baji and also Tai Chi, and he's mainly getting uh, Tai Chi students. And you, the, it sounds a bit like you have to drag the Baji out of him a little bit. Would you say that's a fair? Because because that that happens a lot with Chinese teachers, where they have rooms full of Tai Chi students, but there's this there's always like three guys who are mm. trying to get the Shingi mm. Baji or or something else Marshall like out of them, <laughs> and and you have. I to mean, kind of... uh, I think Lee got very lucky with that when he moved to Finland. There were like many stories of why he did that. Don't know which ones are true. But uh, but he ended up coming there in like 2001, 2002. And then it was this group where uh, Mika is one of the guys that are younger and more come from a background of like watching, thinking about MMA, like modern things like that. So maybe the, 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 the Taiji crowd is more like the traditional Taiji crowd. I mean, mm. he's also a professional teacher, so he has to make his money and, and that's all good. But he got lucky with, with getting a a small group of young, young, powerful people that wanted to do stuff. When Lu lived in China, 
it was a bit hard to get body from me, I've heard. Because I had some of my uh, Kung Fu brothers who do only Tai Chi. They went to China before he came to Finland and, and they asked about this. And he was very reluctant to kind of show body when there were other people around. So usually like afterward, when some people left, and then he would show body. So that was very special. But when he came to Finland, he was very open about it. He just wanted to teach it. So everybody who just want to learn Baji, please, please, please come and he will show you, he will, he will teach you. So he really wanted to get it out when he came to Finland. And we were, we were very lucky about that. So if people wanted to learn from him and they wanted to learn Baji, they could just go and find him and, and, and learn from him right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's teaching there right now. And they have their Baji lessons every week and uh, wow. intensive courses and everything. So yeah, everything's running. Yeah, it's unusual for a style that's so rare that, you know, it's just so accessible. Yeah, he wanted to make it like that. He wanted to, to share it. It's, it's one of his treasures. So his, his idea was that he wanted to leave it here in the West so that maybe China can later come and get it from here if they still want it. Yeah, that, that's another thing you, you, you often hear is that they, they can't get students in China because no one's interested, whereas in the West, there are all these crazy guys who are <laughs> obsessed with traditional fighting skills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes, yes, I think. I think he found found uh, the correct people, like Richard said. So yeah, we're, we're trying our best to, to keep it, to save it here in the, in the West. What's the, what's the website for people listening to go and how, check you out? Uh, info is the Helsinki Group's site website. That's the main main school in Finland. Oh, and they yeah. have courses, and Lou also teaches all around Europe, in France, in uh, yeah, different parts of France, in Sweden sometimes, and, and uh, yeah, so you can catch it kind of all over. Usually, the big question that people have is that do you spar? That's the one you usually see online. Yes, of course, we spar. Master Lu has always put it more on the responsibility of the student to apply the material. So he will teach it and then you will apply it. We've gone through a lot of developmental stages with him trying to find a good sparring method uh, because he comes from, of course, the old school Chinese martial arts, full on, no gear. Get hurt, you get hurt. It doesn't matter. So, of course, we try to find ways of trying to do it but not get hurt. So we're applying a lot of gear. We have gloves and helmets and stuff that we've tried to use. And uh, yeah, I think it's worked out pretty okay. Master Lu is very happy with us applying the stuff and, and sparring and then trying it out. So he's very happy to teach it also. And he, his favorite method is usually to put one guy in the middle, then other people around him, then people attack him one at a time. So it's kind of this fast, quick short exchanges so that's what bodge is about trying to get in quick and then finish it of course when you're sparring you can't really finish it it's not really possible you have to train that kind of separately so it's going to be mostly about entering and, and moving and, and that kind of like the things happen before the finish so that's uh usually we do that and personally i've tried a lot of different sparring methods especially i teach in in vasa I, I call it my laboratory so we try a, all tons of different stuff so different like roles uh, just free different rules all kinds of things 
So I think for me personally, I think it's the good idea to have like a very varied type of sparring. So if you always have one type of sparring, then you will get good at that. And our goal is not really to become good at sparring. It's to become good at using body and good at fighting. So very different types of drills and different types of half free, free sparrings. That, that's what I usually use for this kind of training. And would you say that you could, can you add Badgie to what you do? I mean, is it the sort of thing you have to kind of dedicate your whole life to? Or can you, can you just sort of have it as an addition to like your existing skills? Depends on how many hours you have per day to train. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a pretty simple skill. I mean, it's issuing big power, and uh, there's not a whole lot of stuff you need to learn, not a whole lot of material. So it's a pretty simple package, pretty simple idea. So absolutely, I think so. I think so. If you have enough time to train, then yeah, and very beneficial also to add in that kind of big power to whatever you're doing. And is there a like a qigong or or neikung? side to Badgie. I mean, because a lot of arts have, you know, the like I'm thinking of a Choi Foot, like we have Choi Foot schools that have these fighting forms, weapons forms, and they have like a Qigong system that goes along with it. It, it does it, does your Badgie have that or is it all combined? It's in yeah, it's absolutely combined into the style. There's no separate Qigong stuff per se. Of course, different families have added in all kinds of stuff and created sets and, and things. But like, if you talk about pure body, pure body, we have the small form, we have the big form. And then all that kind of so-called internal work, it's included in that. All that, like, how do you move? How do you use the power? And, but it's also pretty simple. I mean, there's certain things that you need to get right to get the power correct. So they say, I mean, the people who like to divide these styles into internal and external things. Of course, this total artificial construction, but Baji, they say, is like internal, external. So that's both parts. I don't know what that actually means, but that's what they say. So they don't have like a set of conditioning exercises, for example. They, like the forms are the conditioning exercises. Ah, there is like a conditioning, yes, if you talk about like that kind of Qigong. Yeah. So what we usually do, uh, or a very common thing, is to use trees. Not like a very big tree, but maybe like uh, two inches thick or something like that. Mm. And then you, I don't know, I don't know English word like tackle in hockey, more or less the tree in different ways. So, so you can strike it that way. Yeah, with your body, with your arms, with your feet, whatever. So mm. that that's a very common exercise. Yeah, punching mud walls. I don't know what else. But, but the tree thing we do. That's, and traditionally, of course, body's always been combined with iron palm skills. A lot of the body masters were famous for their iron palm. Oh. And that's kind of like a separate thing that everybody was just doing. I mean, it's like eating food, sleeping. That's, of course, you do it when you're a martial artist back then. Mm. That's interesting. I didn't know that it was associated with iron palm. Yeah, yeah like our loose teacher's teacher. In Han family was uh, Han Hu Jin. He's very famous. He's the same generation as Li Xu Wen, kind of like his kung fu brother and, and associate. So he was famous for his iron palm. There's a lot of stories about him hitting people and walls and breaking people and walls. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> and what about is there, is there is there the like the body conditioning? Is there a 
set of exercises for taking blows to the body or do you just pick yeah. it up by being hit a lot well both both again i mean these things were kind of like self-explanatory back then so everybody was doing them because you needed it i mean if you're a professional martial artist or fighter you have to be able to take blows but but there's uh yeah like tackling if you don't have a tree if you have a, a friend then you can do the same thing with a friend you can tackle each other with the with your body and hitting each other's arms and all that very very common kung fu body hardening mm. a very big part of it so now again many body masters famous for their iron body skills also like taking big hits and don't, don't really care about it yeah I think you both do lots of different martial arts as well. How do you integrate different things, like with your badgie, with everything else you do? <laughs> what what a great question! <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, for me, I think like I I found something special in badgie. It's sort of my my adult uh, martial art compared to like things I did when I was a kid. Mm. And now I'm I'm super happy to explore other things. I think many martial arts are super interesting in in different ways and it's fine to play around with but it's quite easy to keep baji as a core because it's not that big and it's very clear what it is and what what sort of isn't and it to me it's like some basic just security feeling good thing to to keep so i'm gonna keep it regardless same for me also i body is that big power i can always kind of fall back on hitting hard but uh, I've, I've done Xinyi Liuha with past past years, very interesting for me. And Xinyi, my, actually my first love in Chinese martial arts, I always kind of kept that on the side also. I'm training different families on that. Of course, combat, uh, sport, combat, martial arts, I've always trained that also. From the time when I moved to Helsinki to train with Lu, I started with Thai boxing on the side because I felt I need that kind of people around me to like fighters and be able to kind of always have that sparring availability every every week and uh, from there i continue to mix martial arts and, and a little bit of brazilian jiu-jitsu and other stuff and boxing also did many years of boxing so it's kind of like a, a place to keep my feet on the ground so to say and uh yeah i do the body is always there in, in the background it doesn't really matter what what i'm doing it, it can be added into many things yeah, I mean, if you if you can always fling out a very powerful punch or, or body slam or something from any position, then it's it's kind of a useful skill to have, isn't it? <laughs> no, I, I think it's that, but I think it's also maybe also a mental thing. Like uh, Lee always says, I mean, men, much of his thinking is like a mix of Taiji and Baji, but like one thing he often talks about uh, is one, it's like a first make stable make make uh, make the body stable make the everything stable so I, I usually can find that like if there's like a going through some rough patch in life or something if i do standing and just like like body standing is like a this is a pose stand and feel that and you feel some some kind of strength some kind of safety security like ability but that's important to me is there like a standing a set like a a system of standing within Badger, or it's very say? small. Yeah, yeah very one, small. Yeah. One stance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As this typical Badger shape with like one elbow out and one, yeah. Oh, they sort of. Yeah, that one. But there is like ideas with 
what you do and what you're looking for. And that's also that word ba in Baji. I mean, ba means eight, but it mm. also means all. Like you can't count that much. It's like one, two, three, four, five, everything. Yeah, it, it means okay. it means all the numbers. All directions. Yeah. 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 So expanding in all directions, that kind of idea. Yeah, I guess, yes. I mean, like standing postures, you do kind of expand in all directions, don't you? Yeah, I've never seen anyone standing in that. I'm, I'm, for people that can't see, I'm doing the classic badgy thing with the elbows sticking out. But standing in that posture is interesting. I've never seen that. Um, but yeah, it would make sense to do it. Uh, we do it a lot. It's like something you can never sort of graduate from. You do it mm. the first time you come and do it yesterday. It's painful, and but there's some, some results to be had from it. Okay. But it can be done like softly or hard, hard, or people do it in different ways. Thinking about different things, like thinking about fighting, thinking about other things, breathing. Yeah, many different ways. You can also use the form, the small form for, for standing. That's also one method I like. Just take the whole form and then you stand in every position for whatever. Eight breaths is, is one traditional way in each posture, but yeah, just standing in all the postures and it usually takes 10 to 15 minutes and they get a pretty good standing session from just that. Mm. Yeah, that's a very standard way of like train or standard normal uh, way of training small form, like a, like a daily training regimen. Like the first time you do the form, uh, the form is like 45 seconds or something if you do it fast but mm. uh, like Mika said takes like so first like do it a couple of times like that with like standing and then maybe move a little more then start to add some power and then maybe the eighth or ninth time you do it you really try to like let go and and, and, and see what comes and I mean I, I've had that as my sort of daily thing and that's usually yeah it's good yeah nice is there anything else about badgie that i haven't asked you that you're dying to tell the world i say the world i mean the few hundred people that will listen to this <laughs> <laughs> go on mika you must have something about badgie i haven't asked you Richard has uh, something on your mind i, I gotta yeah but i think it's something like that i mean the the obvious thing when you look at badgie it's this power and that's sort of what got me interested and then once you have that, it's not. It doesn't take forever to learn. Uh, one one old saying is like uh, one year something, three years kill people. So that's about the, <laughs> the time it should take to to learn that. But then there is more. And and uh, while it's a small system, it still contains like a lot of stuff. But it's very really put together. Like Mika said, there is other influences, but it's always very clear what is what and what is. So I think Bajaj has had like pretty good self-confidence in not, not having to come up with weird stories about things or about stuff like that. So it's very clear. It's not that it's not a lot of woo-woo-y things or like that. Mm. Practical, clear. Yeah. Usually people, especially on the internet, they see our style and they see loose Bajaj. They think it's, it's a mix of Taiji and Bajaj. There's a little bit of truth in that, but of, of course, what we talked about, we have Tianjin Baji and all these other influences. So, so there's, there might be a little bit of Taiji there, but there's all these other Baji styles. So I'm going to create it like why it looks like this. 
And also Master Liu has a lot of fighting experience because he traveled around China when he was young and challenged people and trying to find teachers. So, so a lot of our things just come from practical experience, his practical experience. Hmm. And, uh, the, our footwork is also quite different from, from well, I think traditional, old traditional styles in, in general because we're very mobile. We, we, we use the marble, we have the horse riding stance, but we, then we make it alive. So there's a lot of twisting and turning. And, and that comes from Mastulu watching Muhammad Ali, because he was a <laughs> young man in, I think, the 70s or 80s, and he found somewhere like a tape of Muhammad Ali when he was fighting his fights. And he was thinking, okay, how can Chinese martial arts compare, compete with that? Like the, the band is, is <laughs> moving around like that. Yeah. So, took that idea of very mobile fighting and then he put it into the stableness of body. So we're training the stableness of, of the body, of the stance, but then we make it mobile so we can move move a lot. So that's, that's one huge difference, I think, that makes it different from us, especially other body styles, is this mobility. We're still looking for the, for the finish. We're not there to like do some sort of point fighting, but, but the mobility gives us the ability to find that good chance to finish the fight hmm. especially especially our specialty it's all traditional baji but it's just kind of applied into a i don't know modern is a is a weird word to say but but in a different way excellent all right brilliant i think we'll i think we'll wrap things up shall we i mean i, I think we've got a good idea of what baji is from, hmm. from talking to both of you and thank you for your time Good, good. And it was great to have so many countries involved in one go. <laughs> a bit of international cooperation there. I'm always all for that. That's good. Yes, thank you very much, Korea, for having us. This was very interesting. Super. Thank you. Yeah, and if anyone is out in Helsinki and would like to learn Badgy, then uh, get in touch with Mika or Ricard and they'll point you in the right direction. Will do. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. You can find out more about the Tai Chi Notebook podcast at www.thetaichinotebook.com.